Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Yellow. What's happening, bud? Not much, man. Not much. Same day, different day. So, what? Same think, day, different day? Uh, for a sec there, I thought you said it wrong, but knowing you, <laughs> that's exactly what you Well, meant. you're not allowed to swear. It's usually same something else, different day. Okay, got it. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> Just go with it. What's happening? Not too much. Not too much at all. Nothing. Only a few days left in my old house. Dun, dun, dun. It's amazing how much stuff you can collect. Like, so stuff or crap? Crap is more accurate. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's like I before th- that the house that I'm selling it was my first house I ever owned. So I was from basement apartment to basement apartment. So you didn't have a lot of stuff, and boy, did I accumulate stuff for the last eighteen <laughs> years in this house. Holy cow! Well, that's all house is for, is to hold your stuff. I know. Right? George Carlin said that. Well, you know, it got to the point where as we're moving more and more stuff into the new house, and uh, I'm wondering, at what point does the house start to sink into the ground? Oh, how much, how heavy does it have to be? (laughs) Right? But I got a lot of stuff there. Well, we started doing the purge a couple years ago, and all the stuff, I mean, I've taken truckloads of stuff to the dump. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking at some point I'm going to be looking for this stuff. I've yet to be looking for We've been forced for into a purge situation. Yeah. So, and, and so it's going to be one of those things like we've packed everything. Like I've, been, I've already done about four dump runs. We've gone to Salvation Army and St. Vincent de Paul and stuff like that, dropping stuff off. And, mm-hmm. and it's just stuff that's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's new. It's like a toddler's bed. I can't throw it out. So finally they, they, St. Vincent de Paul says, yeah, yeah, we're taking stuff again. So we're able to get rid of beds and this, that, the other thing. It's like, ah. We have the, um, the Salvation Army and the diabetes. Okay, Foundation yeah. of Canada, mm-hmm. they call up and say, where you have a truck in yeah. your neighborhood, yeah. you have anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're usually looking for clothes and stuff, right? Yeah. Not like, yeah, I've got an old dishwasher if you want it. <laughs> a couple of old toasters, yeah. one shoe. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so, they, so now because we have what we call the too small pile yeah. at, up, up on our main uh, floor in, in uh, around the bedrooms there, the upstairs. We have a stool that we put. Yeah. Well, that shirt doesn't fit me anymore. I'm not wearing it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't like that style anymore. So that's the too small pile. Yeah. And then when it gets big enough, we put it in the garbage bag. And then when one of these places calls, and here you go. Here's the whole. Bag yeah, we'll put a garbage bag out front with a a piece of paper saying yeah. Diabetes Society yeah. or whatever on it, and they just show up, grab the bag, and mm-hmm. and you know, bolt. You know, it, it, it goes to somewhere instead of just a landfill or, exactly, or something yeah. like that, yeah. right? So that's that's cool. And if it people know that it – because there's people that say, no, it doesn't. They go somewhere else. Don't tell me. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want to know where it goes. I'm trying yeah. to do something good. Don't <laughs> rain on my parade. Because there's always those people out there yeah. that do that. <laughs> so you're collecting and purging at the same time. Collecting and purging, yeah. Oh, it's it's been a brutal process. We've been decluttering since November. We knew this was happening last November. And it's just been, like, it's just exhausting. Well, you know what's going to happen now. What? You're going to have all these boxes at the new house. Just put that there. We'll go through it later. <laughs> we can't do and that. 12 years from now, <laughs> we've never gone through those so boxes. I've, you tell me I'm wrong. I'm going to write this down. I've got. Put 20 <laughs> bucks in an envelope, and if 12 years, there's not boxes sitting there that you haven't gone through. <laughs> we have unopened boxes from when I moved into the ah, house. Ah, so I'm going to win this. Just <laughs> so give me the 20 boxes. Boxes that haven't been opened in 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was only going 12. <laughs> Yeah, not going to let that happen this time. Wow. My sister-in-law, she is a uh she she could do a master class in uh decluttering because it is just it's amazing like her house is so clean and tidy. She doesn't have extra shit. She oops. I just <gasps> swore. I went through all that trouble of not saying that earlier and now you just throw it out there all willy-nilly like. That's the first time I ever oh swore on this show. My goodness gracious. <laughs> I getting Derek's too, fired. I'm getting too comfortable on this podcast. We're going to shake it up. Anyways, so she just throws stuff away. If if the kids leave something out for too long, the kids are allowed to have the basement, their playroom. Yeah. They can do whatever they want down there. 
and that's their space. But if they leave something laying around too long upstairs, it's in the garbage. Tracy was watching this show. I, she's, I, I'm sure she's Japanese. It's Maria or Mary Kondo. Mm-hmm. And she like is like a minimalist sort of. And f- from the 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 little bits that I did catch when Tracy's trying to explain this to me, because you know. I don't believe in any of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I smiling, nodding at the appropriate places, but not really listening. If it no longer brings you joy, pass it on. Okay. So go through your closet. That shirt, you bought that shirt for a reason. And if it's in my closet, no, somebody probably gave it to me. That's why it's in the closet. But if it no longer brings you joy, put it in the bag. If that pair of pants you no longer wear because they no longer bring you joy, hmm. put it in the bag. And at the end of the day, you've got a hundred bags to go <laughs> out the door <laughs> because none of it brings you joy anymore. I don't think anything I have really brings me joy. I don't know. There's, I have pants because I need to go out in public wearing pants. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, that's, 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 that's exactly. That's that's not the fact that it brings me joy. It's the fact that it brings other people joy, the fact that I'm wearing them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. But that's that's the whole premise of it. Yeah. Is if, it if it doesn't serve any purpose to you anymore, yeah. you know, like in the bottom drawer, you put it down there and that bottom drawer gets opened once every three years. Yeah. Then you might as well just Good point. dump Good that point. entire, yeah. Yeah. now mind you- bottom drawer of my dresser is all old concert t-shirts that I've been to concerts. So if you do that, my bottom drawer, you will die. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a drawer like that. And I discovered something the other day. So my grandmother or my, the kid's grandmother, my mother-in-law, she, uh, she does a lot of, uh, crafts and sewing and stuff like that. Anyways, one of my nieces, she, uh, took all of her significant t-shirts like concerts this, that, the other thing, anything from like a, uh, some sort of special shirt from university or whatever. And she, her and, uh, and grandma made, uh, made a quilt out of all of these shirts. And it's like, wow, that's brilliant. Because I've got, I've got military shirts. I've got college shirts. I've got stuff from New Brunswick. I've got, you know, I've got all these shirts and it's like, I never wear them because I don't want to wear them because mm-hmm. I don't want to wear them out. So they sit there in the drawer and, and they bring me joy just knowing that they're there, but I should make a quilt out of them. That's See, brilliant. and I've got New York Islander jerseys going back to the seventies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which don't like the first ones I got when I was a kid, just, <laughs> you know, they just don't fit me anymore. <laughs> but there's, oh, oh, in a moment, quick moment of silence for, Mike Bossy passed away. Oh, did he? He passed away the other day, yeah. I think Unfortunately. I heard about that. Yeah. Siobhan was saying something. Yeah. I got all these emails, because I'm a big New York Islander yeah, fan. Yeah, I got all these emails. Oh, sorry to hear about uh, Mike Bossy. Hmm. I'm like, well, you know, I wasn't actually related to him <laughs> <Yeah>. or anything. <laughs> 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 but, but thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's sad news. But um, no, it's like I've got all these jerseys and all these t-shirts and I don't think I could make them into. You cut them, couldn't cut them up? No, I couldn't cut them up. <laughs> no, it just wouldn't be the shirt anymore. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, 30 years down the road, someone's looking at this ratty old quilt. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> kind of, that out. What kind of weirdo Here. made this thing? Is Goodwill coming around soon? Yeah, yeah. Put that in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> but that was grandpa's. Yeah. That was grandpa's yeah. favorite quilt. Yeah. You know? Oh, you'll get everything all... Yeah, it'll come together slowly. Yeah, the big rush has been to get out and clear out of the of the old house. Right now, we're just at the point where just today, I uh, we're, we're just started cleaning up, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we we uh, had all the door. We were moving stuff in and out from backyard, front yard, garage. So all the doors were open, and uh, it was windy that day, and. All of the sawdust from the house, from the garage blew into the house and there's dust oh, all over everything. Good time. Yeah. So now we have to, we have to clean off all surfaces and shelves and stuff like that, that, uh, have dust on them now. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like, like you say, it, the big thing is getting everything out of the old house. Yes. Once it's at the new house. We have time. You've got time yeah. to do whatever you want. Right? 20 years to get everything unpacked. 
twenty thirty, <laughs> whatever. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to unpack that because when I die, somebody's going to have to repack it. So we might as well just leave it packed. There you go. See, go with that. Tell Siobhan yeah, I said yeah. that's my theory. You're sticking to it. Yeah, it'll go over absolutely smoothly. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Don't unpack it. We'll just somebody no. <laughs> One day we're going to die. They're going to have to pack it back up. Yeah, so we're exactly. just saving them some time. <laughs> yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, I swear though, I'm going to do better this time. I'm going to do better. <sighs> Declutter is going to be the central the central theme of my life for the next twenty years. For the next twenty years. Declutter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just remember, have an empty box, and then when you open a box, everything you don't need, throw into that empty box. Yeah. Then you just throw that empty box out into the yeah street. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, me, I'm just working away. Not too much going on. Yeah? Yeah. Planning trips. Planning spring trips. Spring trips, June trips, uh, August trips, July trips, October trip, big October trip. Oh, yes. We were big talking about that. Big southern October trips. Can I go? Fun. Can I go? No. <laughs> no. 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 Uh, I've got, what, four trips already booked. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it's not even like... It's just April. Yeah. It's going to be great. And there's going to be a whole bunch of um, weekender stuff too. Oh, okay. So it's going to be good. We haven't planned anything because we've been solely focused on the house. Yeah, but give it a couple of weeks and you're going to be in there. Yeah. Take a deep breath and go, hey, so where do you want to go now? Exactly. Yeah. We're going to yeah. Oklahoma. We're going to get we're going to get out a lot this year. That's our plan. You're going to get a lot? Get out a lot. Oh, get out a lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's well, that's that's exactly it. Getting out, doing a lot of paddling, and last couple of years have sort of been. I mean, last year was 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 better than the year before, but uh, yeah, you know what? Like just getting back into the swing of mm-hmm. getting up early on a Saturday, throwing the canoe or kayak on top of the truck, and heading somewhere. Yeah, got to be a lot more of that this year. Mm-hmm. Can't wait! Can't wait! We got. An email, or not an email, a message on Facebook Messenger. Do you remember, I want to say it was episode 315. Uh, we talked about the Kinduskeg Stream Canoe Race in Maine. Yep. And they were talking about how last year they did the pre-registration, and they were doing it again this year, and they were expecting, what, like over 400, over 400 canoes, yeah. 800 paddlers yeah. and they're gonna it sounded like they were gonna do a shotgun start. and they really they did say that it was and a shotgun start it's yeah you know and we were sitting there going oh how we would love to get <laughs> photos and <laughs> want to see video just to watch 400 <laughs> canoes all at once take mayhem off. the chaos the yeah. mayhem the oh it would have been glorious <laughs> well i'd like to thank nate who one of our listeners who happened to be in Maine to check out the race. This was his little comment. He sent a picture. Okay. It wasn't a shotgun start. They safely loaded folks and wrote down their start times and then they'll calculate the actual times at the end. Not nearly as fun as what we were hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a very slow start to a race. It was, well, you know what they had, I mean, you have to, we always joke, safety third. Yeah. Right? Uh, but something like this, when you got that many people, mm-hmm. okay, you guys, what's your number? Okay. And, you know, few of them at a time sort of thing. You know, the ones that are going to go fast, let them yeah. go first right? yeah. sort of thing, but. So there was no chaos involved when more than 600 paddlers competed uh, in 366 canoes and kayaks for the 55th running of the Kanduskeg Stream Canoe Race. I keep wanting to say steam. I know. I keep I see stream and I, <laughs> I always see. want to say steam. Yeah, me too. Uh, so yeah, 600 paddlers in 366. Could you imagine if they are all lined up and somebody just said, <laughs> Three, two, one, go! <laughs> and they just went all hell belt for leather. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Denied. Disappointed, I must say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, again, thanks, Nate, for the uh, the photo there. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll post that photo on our Facebook page and that. And uh, letting us know that it indeed was not the chaos we were hoping for. Yeah. Kayaker Trevor McLean, he claimed his 16th race title. So he won it 16 times. 16 best time, 16 best time now. 
two hours, nine minutes, one second. The course is 16 and a half miles. And he's got a racing kayak. So he knows what he's doing. They're longer. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's like, you know, those epic ones you see that are meant for racing yep. that yep. are so exactly. sleek. But when you look at the times, the other kayaks and that that are in his, his category, class, yeah. they weren't that far off. Oh, okay. You know. Uh, so they, you know, they go on to say, you know, I mean, personally, I'd be like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> Not him again. Well, you would think that, you know, a lot of people have had enough of this guy and his racing kayak, but they all, they say they all have their different distinct race goals. Yeah. Right. Most aren't even vying for the fastest overall time of the day, which is exactly what he's doing. They're taking on competitors in a particular division. There's 27 different divisions trying to beat their own previous times or simply trying to stay dry and complete the race. Hmm. Right. 27 competition categories available, broken down by gender, age, experience, boat type, and size. Uh, so there, there was actually numerous... Well, yeah, winners. there's 27 categories. 27, so. Yeah, 27 categories plus race top speed, yeah. and, you know, yeah. all Seems that sort of stuff. very complicated. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But, you know, when, when looking other times, you know, like I say, there there weren't that many that were much slower than um, Trevor McLean's time. So, but no, it sounds like a good time was had by all anyway. But uh, I would... Uh, I would have preferred the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> where's this? Uh, where's this Trevor McLean from? For some reason, I thought he he's was... from New Brunswick. He's Canadian. That's what I thought you told yeah. me earlier. New Brunswick or Nova Scotia? One of the two. Nova Scotia, I think. This guy travels yeah. all that way to race in this race yep. from the Maritimes. He goes all the way down. Well, it's not that far. Nova Scotia to. I guess it's just Maine. to Bangor, Maine. Yeah. So he he drives all that way. Races for two hours, ten minutes, but drives all the way home. Well, no, he wouldn't have to because he had to collect his, his medals and all that sort of stuff, yeah. right? But, well, you know what? If that's what you enjoy doing, then yeah. so be it. Yeah. Um, It is spring out there. Spring is sprung, so it's our daily message. And like I say, when, you, when we're on the internet right now looking at canoe stuff and What's going on in the canoe industry, in the kayak industry, stand-up paddleboard industry, rafting, and all that sort of stuff? There are so many articles on safety, 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 safety. And not safety third, either. Safety first. <laughs> yes. Uh, which brings a... just started reading some of this stuff, and it brought out the question, do paddling instructor instructions and safety courses work? You know, people are, are getting out there already. Like, we've seen it already in our area around Toronto and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, you know, they're getting out there. And there's still people that and, uh, it gets annoying after a while. It's true, but it just gets, you know, it sort of takes away from the post. I was out this weekend. Well, where's your dry suit? Oh, yes. And it, it's just like the where's your PFD yeah. sort of thing. Um you got to remember that, yeah, the water is still around the freezing oh. temperature. Yeah. Even though it was really nice and you're out in a pair of shorts. Yeah. Uh, one guy one, one guy came to, to work in shorts last week. Oh, yeah? That's before the cold weather came Okay. Back, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> you're, winter you're, came you're, back. you're out there in a pair of shorts. You got to remember that water you go in is still ice cold. Yes. So you got to, you know, practice the safety on the water. Uh, and, I mean, you got to practice safety on the water all year round. Mm -hmm not just in the spring and fall when the cold water, right? So there's the Water Sports Foundation down in the States. They reported that a record 37.9 million people participated in kayaking, canoeing, stand-up paddleboarding during the COVID-19 pandemic. The data from late 2020 showed 2.5 million of those were new paddlers. Ooh. 2.5 million. Now, you calculate. If you could calculate how many of those were canoeists, kayakers, and stand-up paddleboarders, mm -hmm. and then multiply each of those by the average price of a canoe. A kayak, oh, I know, right? How much? Yeah. 2.5 times. Holy yumpins. And it was very evident. You go to any outdoor uh, sports store and stuff, like the, there was, there's nothing left on the shelves. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just... 
trying to buy camp fuel or butanes and stuff like that. It's just like it's all sold out. Yep. And like you heard across the industry how hard it was to get your hands on a new canoe or a kayak or a paddleboard. It's uh, there was a run on on product and it was uh, well, you know who I blame. <sighs> Those 2.5 million new yeah, paddlers. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the surge of new paddlers also brought an increase in accidents. The Outdoor Foundation reported that accidents in 2020 increased to 331 uh, accidents, 202 fatalities, hmm. which accounted for 26% of all boating accidents during the period. Uh, we know from analyzing U.S. Coast Guard data that in 2020, 74.6% of people who died in paddling accidents had less than 100 oh. hours experience in the activity. Three quarters of the people. Three quarters of the people had less than 100 hours. Uh, and that comes from Jim Emmons, executive director of the Water Sports Foundation. 38.8% had less than 10 hours. Hmm. Experience, And these are people that died in watercraft accidents. Yeah. To address the problem, the Coast Guard District 1, headquartered in Boston, focused on safety through public outreach, paddling education courses, safety checks, along with enforcement of federal requirements on paddlecraft. So this makes you wonder, okay, does this actually work? Because we've talked about this for years. Mm -hmm. Like when we go up to Algonquin Park, especially in the fall when you get the busloads of people coming up to see the colors yeah. and they're renting canoes left, right, and center. Yeah. And we know for a fact there's no, you know, here's your paddle. Yeah, here here's, you go. Here's your life jacket. Go at it. Here's your canoe. Enjoy yeah. your time on the water. No instruction whatsoever, no, right? Not. And we've we've been saying for years, they, ha they, they need to take some sort of time to say, listen, here's how you do it properly. You know, a little bit of instruction, right? And they tried to do that in Algonquin Park. They, they've tried to set up a program for new paddlers and... and it got shot right down. Yeah, it just yeah. never made it off the off the draw board. Yeah. Uh, Coast Guard said its efforts contributed to a 34% decline in paddling fatalities. That's 19 down from 29. That doesn't sound like much, but 10 people are alive because... Yeah, exactly. You know... Uh, demonstrating the importance of instruction as more paddlers take to the water. So, yeah, you, you, they've got to. If, if you're getting into paddling of any sort, um, I don't even know how many hundreds of hours I have paddled. Yeah, you know. But if you're getting, if you're, if you're thinking about getting into it, and you, there's a course that you can take just so you know what you're doing when you get exactly, on the water. Exactly, just the tiniest bit. Just I would to, say take it. Yeah. You know, uh, because, I mean, there was, when I first started out, it wasn't really widely publicized. You know, they got Paddle Canada courses and yeah. Orca courses. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the American um, Canoe Association, they got courses and stuff. And, like, I never really knew about any of that. But it's, the internet is much more in our oh, face yeah, now everything, yeah. and everything's public. If you start looking into canoes and stuff like that, you're going to come across all this stuff, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I would, I would seriously suggest that even just take a quick little course on saying, you know, here's how you, you paddle. Here's a couple of strokes you'll need. Here's what to do if you tip. Just the, even, even the bare necessities, mm -hmm. you know, take a course get yourself educated before you're getting on the water and become a statistic because we hate statistics like this. Uh, I was going through, I, I like this one cause you know what I could, part of me says I could do this. <laughs> and the other part of me is going, you are so full of crap. It's not even <laughs> funny. So as I was looking at the adventure journal, yeah. um, and there's what's called, he's the number one competitive wilderness sitter in the world. So to arrive at a spectacular, spectacular location and just sit there, don't hike, don't climb, don't swim, paddle, ride, sail, surf, run, or even paint. Just sit, observe, watch the clouds move through the sky the light deepen in tones across the face of mountains. The trees bend one way, then the next, as the wind direction shifts in the afternoon. 
Could you do that? I could, and I have done that. For how long? I don't know, half hour, an hour. Oh, no. Well, I know, no. this guy does it a lot. Oh, yeah. this is like a whole day sort of thing, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, it says it's harder than you think, at least it is for many of us. The only time I can do something like this, sort of, well, no, I guess that sort of, is when I'm fishing. Because yeah. I'll prop the rod there, yeah. and I'll just sit and I'll watch and just mm-hmm. relax. But I'm fishing. This says don't fish. It's like fishing gives you an excuse to do nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You hear that, Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go camping or backpacking or even to the beach, I think to myself, I'm going to sit in one spot, just watch for as long as I can. Usually that lasts at most <laughs> 10 minutes. True. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just like that. It's like, yeah, I'll sit there with my tree, my back against a tree, looking at the lake, watching the birds go by, the loons. Yeah. You know, maybe a turtle comes up, watching the clouds go by. I, I could be out paddling right now. Or, oh, look at that point, rocky uh, point there. I want to go check that rocky point out. Oh, I want to uh, walk on that dock. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go make some, start a fire and make something. Or I'm going to go fishing. Just sitting there. It's tough. Robert Silk, a 49-year-old sitting enthusiast. <laughs> Go, I'd like to find out if he's an accountant or something. <laughs> Goes to empty wild places and sits. No phone, no gadgets other than the occasional book. The idea, he says, is to really just be and not do much of anything. He says, well, okay, it's not just about sitting. It's competitive sitting. (laughs) Sounds like a joke, and it sort of is, but also it sort of isn't. After all, it can get quite uncomfortable sitting somewhere very cold like Antarctica or very hot like Joshua Tree. I couldn't just go and And sit sit. for hours on end. I'd go loony. Yeah, I'd want to go and see stuff. Yeah. Absorb your environment. If I'm going to be sitting, it's going to be sitting in the truck while I'm driving to some place to do something. (laughs) (laughs) There is an article in Atlas Obscura about Silk. It says, although the competition part is a bit tongue-in-cheek, Silk is to date the only Only competitor. (laughs) (laughs) The sport's overall objective is to complete the most difficult sit possible. For deserts, this means a factor of high temperature, total degrees of heat, meaning the day's average temperature, and length of day. Tricky question, since the further north you go during the summer solstice, uh, the more daylight you'll get. But overall, temperatures tend to decrease. In a place like Antarctica, where the focus is more on extreme sitting, (laughs) Silk jokingly (laughs) says that icicles forming on the tips of your chair can be good, but frostbite, not so much. It's meant to be uncomfortable, he says, but not deadly. (laughs) Could you imagine if this actually became a competition and you set up a competition of like somewhere in the middle of like, like you say, Joshua Tree, there's 40 chairs and people got to sit there from this time to that time. Well, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, you know, the TV or radio contests where you get six people, everybody puts a hand on a car, and the last person to remove their hand from the car wins the car. Yeah. So it's like competitive touching. But sitting. But sitting. (laughs) Okay, so you guys competed, you all sat this long, the next competition is, have like a whole series around the world. (laughs) One would be in the rainforest, one would be in the desert, one would be in cold Arctic temperatures. It would make for a very boring TV series. You think? (laughs) And look, he's still sitting. 14 hours. (laughs) But because we are in the middle of Kenya, look, here comes a pride of lions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's out. He ran. (laughs) Just saying. It doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be. Uh, if you go to the adventure-journal.com, uh, you can read the rest of the article and, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the picture they show is him on the end of a dock, Blue Lake, yep. mountains. Mm-hmm. That I could see sitting there for a while. But I'd be looking there thinking, I wonder what fish are in this lake. Oh, I'd be thinking, like, what's around in the, in the corner of the 
trail? What's the yeah. view downstream? What's the like? I just want to. I wonder seeing. how much his mind goes. Yeah, like how much? If you could, how do I say this? If you could put a measurement on your mind, things going through it. Yeah. How much <laughs> goes through it when he's sitting there versus when he's doing just regular day stuff? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. <laughs> well, hopefully it becomes a sport. <laughs> I mean, it can't be any worse than watching bowling. Right? Maybe it could be. Yeah. But not if there's lines involved or, <laughs> you know, that sort yes. of stuff. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to sit and watch this lava flow. Ooh, ooh it's, it's getting close. Warm. <laughs> yeah. I'll just lift my feet up. <laughs> oh, where's my chair gone? <laughs> yeah, see? See, there's there's just so many things we could go, so many directions we can go with this. Yeah, I'll stick with the way I do it, wandering, walking, looking. Here we are in the Arctic with polar bears. <laughs> it's just endless. And it's running. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Flash flood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anybody from the uh, what are those realities? Is that on History Channel? Like that yeah, they, they yeah. throw all those oh, reality all those, shows. Yeah, all those yeah if anybody shows. from uh, History Channel is listening to this, yeah, give me a call. I got yeah. ideas. Yeah. Naked Not and, good ones, but a, a new version of Naked and Afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Naked and terrorized. <laughs> uh, while I was looking at Adventure Journal tacos, tacos have been become the rage for the last. It is. Five years or so at yep. least. And a lot taco of restaurants Tuesdays. like fish tacos. Yeah. Special tacos. Have you ever had a fish taco? It's good. Is it? Yeah. I've never had It just sounds It's disgusting. all about the sauces that they add to it, right? Yeah. When we were in Woodland Caribou, we did uh, a taco night. Um, and you we dehydrate. We did the taco meat. Yeah. And I've done this a few times since. Um, you dehydrate. You make your taco meat. Mm-hmm. Then you dehydrate it. So when you get to camp... You rehydrate it. Yeah, it's right. Heat it up, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, right? You bring some uh, grated cheese. You bring some spices. Yeah. You bring an, a chopped onion. Um, you heat it all up sort of thing. And then tortillas, right? You get the little tortillas or big tortilla, whatever you want. That's the, that's the only heavy part the is tortillas. the tortillas. Yeah, dense bread. But they're a lot less bulky. Yes, Bucky, they're... Then, then a loaf of bread. Yeah, you don't have to worry about crushing it in the pack, so it travels well. They act like Frisbees. Yep. When you don't want... When you, you know, too many left. Yeah. You can put st- different stuff on them. Oh, yeah, breakfast. Um, but, yeah, if you're if you're doing the fishing thing, mm-hmm. you could make fish tacos yeah. for dinner one night. Just bring some stuff, prepare in case you catch some fish, that you can make some fish tacos. and. One of my favorite camping breakfasts is uh, scrambled eggs... Smoked salmon, capers, uh, bacon, all rolled up into a burrito-type taco thing. Wow. Mm. So good. Yeah? Mm -hmm. See, my breakfasts are fast and easy because I'm out in the water. Well, yeah, but this this is what I do on the Burt Reynolds one. So I I bring these uh, smoked salmon breakfast boards. Yeah, but you bring charcuterie boards. (laughs) (laughs) You got to bring all the stuff for a charcuterie board, yeah. but don't bring a board. I start whittling it on day one. Oh, use a paddle. Nah, start whittling one. <laughs> and then when it's done, that charcuterie board yeah. day. <laughs> Look what I'm making. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is what we do is we'll bring those, but we'll bring stuff for a wrap. Mm-hmm. Right? So any feeling you want for a wrap. Now, I've done the peanut butter and jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I've... I do it at home, actually, is the uh, peanut butter and banana wraps. Oh, okay. Right? So you cut a banana in half, so you get two of them out of the deal. Yeah. So you cut it half lengthwise, put some peanut butter, put a banana, wrap it up, and that's what off she, you go, right? That's what Siobhan does for breakfast often. Yeah. Mm. Just at home. Just, yeah. yeah. Good. They're good. But tacos are, are, are a big item anymore. Mm-hmm. And they, they were doing one. Um, and there's a recipe on outdoor or outdoor adventure journal yep. page, chorizo tacos, mm-hmm. and it's little just tacos with some um, chorizo, chorizo pepper yep. uh, or sausage stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some 
Green peppers, some onions, cheese, lime, uh, different spices and that in there. And yeah, you know, you, you just sitting around a campfire, you, you warm all that stuff up and just throw mm-hmm. it on a small, a small, uh, making me hungry tortilla. And there you go. And there, it doesn't take a lot of tacos to fill you up really. No. You no. know, so you just load those up and yeah, just mow down and, and you're good. on a rainy day mm-hmm. when you're under the tarp yeah. and you got the fire going. Perfect. Perfect for lunch. So next time you're on a paddling trip, think tacos. Tacos. They're awesome. University of Minnesota Duluth. They have a pool. And they've upgraded the pool with new jets. And the the pool in the sports and health center can now better train kayakers, surfers, and swimmers in rough water conditions through their Rec Sports Outdoor program. They got a lot of uh, what, abbre- what is it? Abbreviations: RSOP, UMD, SHC. I just I'm just saying the whole words. Yeah, <laughs> people like acronyms. Their lap pool now has a flow pump system. So thanks to this upgrade, um, they can, the pool can simulate surfing, rafting, and rafting waves for training. Oh, wow. Uh, they, it has one setting for swimmers to practice in smaller waves. So I guess marathon swimmers or triathletes or whatever. Yeah, if you want to be swim across Lake Ontario, you got to practice rough water conditions. Yeah. And- so this, there's one that, that does small waves. Yeah. There's another for surfers to work on maneuvers. And the last setting, river flow similar to whitewater rafting and sea kayaking in oh, a pool. There you go. Indoors. How big is this pool? It's got to be massive, yeah. I would think. It's got to be. I, I just They just showed a little piece of it with mm-hmm. these big waves, right? The roughly $2 million remodel, oh. which also upgraded the deck and old tile from the 1950s. Isn't it retro back? It is. Apparently not Retro's anymore. Retro's always back. Uh, it can help train community members who want to prepare for navigation in Northlands in the Northlands waterways. Especially with water safety in our area, with the lake and all rivers and streams we have going into it, we feel this is a great education opportunity to heighten awareness of how to swim in flow and make you more aware of how the water can push and move you and pull you out. Uh, That's from Ted Patton, Aquatic Director for UMDRSOP. (laughs) (laughs) Gordon Patton is the only rectangular pool in the country to utilize these pumps for whitewater rafting training. Which is really cool when you think about it. Like, I mean, all the competitive teams and stuff, right? But you know that universities, colleges, and all that are always hurting for money. Yes. The university looks forward to partnering with the community for even more training and educational uses in the future. So I know here U of T Scarborough campus, when the Goodwill, was the Goodwill Games that came to town, they built that big sports complex across the road. Oh, yes. Which once games are done, what are you going to do with it? Well, now it's a big community thing and they swimming and running and archery and all this stuff is done there now for for the community and the, the university. Uh, he says, I think we've just scratched the surface, and I think the more we get ideas from the students and the more we explore, it's going to be uh, it's an exciting time to try new programming and to figure out just how we can use the system. So, yeah, they, they're, they're going to do all this stuff and, and put it out there, let everybody know what it can do. And then they say, to set up training classes or educational programming using the new pool, you can reach out to the Rec Sports Outdoor Program office. So if you've got a, a local kayak club that wants to do whitewater, you know, and you, you really can't maybe afford or, you know, the local whitewater is too far away or something or it's the middle of winter and you want to get everybody out on the water for a little test practice or some education, you just call them up and you can arrange yeah. something, right? Arrange for a class. So you know, it's not like you have to be at the going to yeah. the University of Minnesota, you can uh, just go there and say, hey, listen, this is what we got. 
what can you do for us? What a great idea. And it keeps, keeps you on the water all year round, possibly. Absolutely, yes. Right? Yep. And rafting indoors? <laughs> that, that would be neat. That would be, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look up their uh, their pool and information, but I can't find it. Yeah, it was it was a bit hard to find. Um, but yeah, they're apparently the only one that's using this uh, new uh, flow pump system. Hmm, pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and speaking of rafting, uh, and I can't find any more information on this than what I was. I'm going to tell you. Oh. Raft operator and guides fined for risking the lives of tourists in a small town northeast of Delhi, India. Raft operator and two guides were fined for taking tourists for rafting at night and risking their lives. That sounds weird. Why would they? That sounds beyond dangerous. Yeah. The rafts used for the purpose were seized, uh, an inspector for the local police station said. The raft operator and two tourist guides had taken some tourists for rafting around 7.30 p.m. in violation of the rules. Rafting is not allowed after sunset. Hmm. And that's all the information that's you all they had. find. <laughs> so yeah, there, there's no names, there's no companies, yeah. there's no... Which right off the bat, that's kind of a red flag anyway. Yeah. Uh, but if you're a, if you're a tourist... And you're going out with this company. Oh, yeah, show up at 7.30 at night while it's dark. That's okay. Well, number one, you're not going to see the scenery. Exactly. Yeah. Number two, you're not going to see the big rocks and waterfalls you're (laughs) smashing into. (laughs) So I don't know how this was a thing. Uh, um, And if you happen to go over and you make it to shore or a rock. Yeah. The, you're not going to see. You got to wait till daylight to find the body. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that just, I had to read that article. Like, I don't know how many times ago. Okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing? Yeah. yeah. Why would these people sign up for this course? <laughs> I don't know. So, if you're going to India, I'm not <laughs> saying it's them, but be careful. <laughs> wow. Um. Oh. Mm-hmm. Speaking of paddling adventures. <clears throat> yes. Get outside a paddling adventure. Yes, I watched the first episode there. there Just the first one? Yeah. It should all be online now. Yeah, at the time it was only the one. I thought he was going to release them at a certain... Are they all... One a one? day. He released one a day. Okay. One a day for seven days. It's your one a day vitamin. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, get outside a paddling adventure. So, is that last year? That's two years I can't now. tell time anymore. It's... It, it, the last couple of years have been so weird. So it was during COVID. Last year, the year before. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. So I was asked to uh, participate in a TV program. Uh, friend Ben Stacy of Two Men in a Canoe was filming it for Bell 5 TV Network. Uh, we paddled the Trent Severn Waterway from Lake Ontario to Georgian Bay. And uh, it was seven episodes for our entire trip. It went up on Bell 5 TV Network. Unfortunately, if you didn't have Bell 5, uh, you didn't get to see it. Yeah. And a lot of people I know, there's Bell 5. Yeah. So find it. Uh, Now, for all those people that didn't have Bell 5 Network. Yeah, so it spent its year on Bell 5, and now it's released. He's allowed to... And now... So it must have been the year before, because it's Mm -hmm. been a year already. Yeah. So it must have been 2020 that it was... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, 2020. That was it. So it is now on Ben Stacy's Two Men and a Canoe uh, YouTube page. Seven episodes. And guest paddlers included this Derek Specht guy. Alan Drummond and Kevin Callan came out for a day as well of paddling. Different sections of the of the um, yeah. Trent Severn. Uh, I did put up, I think I put up the first episode on our Facebook page. Uh, there is a thing on our Instagram and whatnot, but I think only Facebook lets you click it and get to Ben's. Oh, okay. I'll double check that, but it will be up there if you want to, if you want to watch the episodes. Go and watch all seven of them and see the High action paddling adventures <laughs> of get outside a paddling adventure. It is awesome. 
Uh, what else do we got here? You know what? Let's take a quick commercial here because uh, we haven't done that in a while. Yes. And yeah. uh, when we come back, we'll go through uh, Lure the North. Is a word from our sponsor. They did a thing. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Dark Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. Lure of the North. Yes. Uh, Kylan and Dave Marone. They're up near Espanola. Mm-hmm. Kylan was on... Alone. A, alone. Yeah. La, the la, was it the last season or has there been one since? Uh, I think there's been a season since, yes. Yeah. She was on Alone. That was uh, through the, the winter. It was... Fall of 2019, she was. Is in, that when it, it was? Ep, it aired in 2020. 2020. Yeah, because in the fall of 2019, it was the last canoe symposium, and she, her and Dave were supposed to present, and she wasn't there. And he says, "Oh, some family thing. She couldn't come down." Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's three people we know that have been on alone now. Mm-hmm. Jim and Dave. Uh, Jim and Ted. Yep. And uh, Kyla now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have this fantastic company. It's uh, their wilderness guides. It's called Lure of the North, and uh, and it's like a, a lot of people. I, I like I've, I've been. They have an online store. You can make your own anoraks or buy an anorak or your own boots, your own gloves. You name it. You, you can. Mm-hmm. Make, they have kits. I think they folded that up. They're they folded it up because they were doing this trip. Is that why? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if they're going to bring it back or not. I hope they do bring but, it back. But uh, they've gotten busy with the, like really busy with the guiding. Yes, they have. Right? Yeah. So as wilderness guys specializing in winter travel, uh, they say they were are victims of their own success. They spent the most of the last 10 winters uh, on the land, um, but the transformative season-long trips that they crave are always out of reach. Mm-hmm. So they're off-grid up by, like I say, Espanola, yeah. Ontario. They're off-grid. They do the guiding stuff. Uh, they do the winter trips. So they say in 2010, we did a 40-day trip, just the two of us, and we've always wanted to do another full-on trip like that where you get to follow the moon cycles and just really immersed into the environment. Mm-hmm. Which would be 40 days. That'd that's be, that's quite the trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's who, like, and we discussed this off the air is as much as you'd love to do something like that. Yeah. It's, unless you're retired or. Exactly. You need the lifestyle you, to be able to do something like, like that. Through 10 months of, of holidays. <laughs> 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 Two months on, 10 months off, yeah. something like that. Uh, so over the last decade, Lure the North proprietors have introduced hundreds of people to the nuances of traditional winter travel by leading winter camping expeditions and traditional skills workshops. They craft their own traditional winter clothing, snowshoes, and toboggans. That's become a big thing. Like The amount of people that we know that have um, ordered... Uh, the kits to mm-hmm. do their own anoraks, yeah. their own um, boot mucklucks, mucklucks, and, and, and all that sort and, of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's you're always seeing it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like you say, I think because they've been so busy, uh, they're doing a big trip that they've folded up their mail order business. Yeah, I don't know if it's coming back or not, though. So they wanted to do another long trip, and they hit on a solution. What they would do is this winter long trip with a rotating cast of clients 
dropping in for a few weeks at a time. So instead of having a couple clients come in for a week and they take them out and then they come back, then take the next group out and then come back, take the next group out, come back, they decided they would just do one long trip yep. and the clients would in, out, in, out sort of thing, yep. right? Traditional route from Lake Superior to James Bay was perfect for such an expedition with long stretches of wilderness and a handful of railway supply points. They broke the trip into five legs and invited a select group of past clients to join them for part of the trip. But that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Kylan says, people came right back and said, count me in for the whole thing. Yeah, I'm not doing a section. I'm doing the whole thing. Which, when someone says we're doing this, would you like to be involved? Mm-hmm. The first thing you're thinking is, okay, can I take that much time off? <laughs> I know, right? You know that they said, well, you can, we're going from here to here and you can do a piece of it. Well, no, I would love to do that whole thing. I know. Thing. You know that goes through your head. Yeah. It'd be impossible for me. So in early January of 2022, Mm -hmm. 11 clients joined the Maroons for the entire expedition, making a group of five women and eight men aged 32 to 63. It's amazing. So if you're complaining about being old, (laughs) you got nothing to complain about. Yeah. Their route, uh, would say their, their route was cut northeast across the province of Ontario from the mouth of the Mishapakotan River on Lake Superior, uh, upstream to the headwaters of the Missinabe River, then following that river to James Bay and the Arctic Ocean. Now, when I was up in 2020, is it 2020 I went? Because last October, where did I go last October? Wow. I went somewhere else last October. Uh, but I was up at Lake Superior. That's yep. where, that's I did that day trip up mm-hmm. yep. to Michipacotton. Yeah, that's a, that's a gorgeous uh, river to be paddling up and down. And that's uh, Miss Nobby is the river that uh, Burt Reynolds Memorial River was supposed to uh, do. do last year, but yeah. it was canceled because we it, it was too difficult to get into these northern communities, and and it, that was part of the reason. But the main reason was when we scheduled it first or second week of September, the water level is so low. You just, every, nobody was nobody was traveling that route because the water was too low. You'd be you bumping and grinding. You, you could have walked. <laughs> yes, walked. you could have walked. That's what they did. <laughs> so, um, so that was the plan. And um, we, we joke about, uh, I made the plan for when we went up the Moose River and Scott Robinson was a bit worried about what happens, something goes wrong. Well, day one, something went wrong and the plan got tossed right out the window. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean, whatever? So, you make a plan hoping it works. And if it doesn't work, then you go with the flow. You move on. Right? So uh, I think from that moment on, um, Scott enjoyed paddling <laughs> with me. There's nothing phases this guy. So <laughs> awesome. So day one, their plan went out the window when the open water on the Michipacotton forced a change yeah. with uh, the party marching through downtown Wawa and into the bush. Might have been quite, quite the sight, eh? Wouldn't it, though? All the packs and the sleds and they're all wearing anoraks. What's going on? What time is it? Following a series of lakes and rivers, they crossed the height of land on day 19, followed the Missinabe drainage all the way to Jane's Bay on the Arctic Ocean, and the... Journey covered more than 700 kilometers, 435 miles, and took 70 days. Wow. Again, who's got 70 days in take? I know, right? Like, I took the chance one day and said to my boss, listen, can I take a month off? <laughs> yeah, okay. Listen, could I take 70 days off? Yes. You two know, and a half two months. and a half months. I just months? need two and a half months. Yeah, I need two and a half months. Eh? Not, even, not even two and a half. Two and, two and <laughs> ten days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking this year's and next year's holidays and all the at next once. year's vacation all at once. Yeah, can I take my next like ten years of holidays? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, seventy days. So the route is recognizable to canoe trippers as it's been a classic route linking St. Lawrence to the James Bay for centuries. 
uh, as you say, you know, um, the Missanabi straight up into the Moose and into uh, Moosonee, James Bay. Yep. You know, that that's a, a very recognizable route. Winter f- travelers follow the same rivers and lakes with some changes in camp choice. In summer, we look for the nice point, so you've got a cross breeze and the bugs stay down. Yeah. But in winter, a lot of the places that canoeists wouldn't even think of going end up being the the best places to camp. Shelter, there's a small creek, even a small pond or swamp. Standing deadwood. Yeah, that's where they find the standing deadwood uh, that uh, they can cook on and keep warm sort of thing, right? Uh, they did document their journey on Lure of the North on Instagram. They had plenty of uh, photos and and few details of the hard, hardest days. They only, they only uploaded uh, every few days, and I do believe they did it with sat phone, which was slow and, of course, expensive. Expensive, yeah. So they only uploaded pictures every few days, so it wasn't a daily thing, but... Uh, they're done now, so yeah, you can go up there and check out all the photos. There are some really cool photos. One of the things that we consider when we're sharing our updates on social media is that those participants' family members are watching. Yeah. So we don't want to say, oh, by the way, we all got sick and we were puking our guts out. <laughs> uh, one member of the team fell across a patch of bad snow, twisted his knee. Friends of the Maroons were able to evacuate him by snow machine, but the departure left him devastated because you're going all that way. You yeah, want to do the whole thing. Exactly. Right? Uh, he'd been having the time of his life. Uh, with Kylan and Dave's encouragement, he went home for 10 days to recover, then rejoined the group for the last five days, which was really cool that that was an option. Mm-hmm. Crew reached the finish line March 26th. Just as they had started, 13 travelers together. And everybody knows 13 people in a group is good luck. Is it? It is. Next season, the, Maroon, the, the Maroons will be back to their regular schedule of workshops and one to two week guided trips. But guiding a diverse group of 11 travelers on a season-long winter expedition has opened new horizons and whetted their appetite for more. Kylan says... Now that we know it's possible, maybe we'll do something like this every five years or so, hmm. which would be really cool. Yeah. So if you go up and do one of their two, uh, one, two week trips, mm-hmm. maybe get an invite to one of their exactly. five year yep. marathons. Oh, you retired in about 10 years. See? See? <laughs> Still a go, buddy. <laughs> so I, I like this article. I mean, like I say, we've, I've been, we've been following them for ages here and, yeah. and whatnot. They do the, the tripping. They live off the land, that sort of stuff, off grid. But it brought to mind the out of the ordinary trips. Yes. They're contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, when I mentioned about canoe polling. No one had heard about canoe polling. And when I put out the thing saying, hey, who would love to do this? I got so many people sending. <laughs> we can't fit that many it's, people it's, on it, the it, it, it becomes a thing like that is just so different. Mm-hmm. And like, why would you do it? Count me in. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, when I went up the, Mo- when I planned my October solo trip up the Moose River. Yeah. And uh, Scott Robinson and and I went up that way. I got so many people. Do you have room for an extra? Do you have room for yeah, an extra? Yeah, exactly. I could have had a been been leading a flotilla of 50 <laughs> canoes yeah. up the Moose River. Yeah. Like they would have had to add train cars to the Polar Bear <laughs> Express to, to, to accommodate us, us all, right? <laughs> Uh, well, even to get us there because they drop you off in the middle of nowhere, yes, right? From, yeah. from Cochrane. Yeah. My spring trip that I'm doing or June trip that I'm doing this year, um, there's a few people that have heard about it and it, it, it's like, I've already had probably 17, 18 people ask if oh, I yeah. can join. And it's like, eh, yeah, no. The logistics no, just doesn't it, work. It, it just doesn't work that way. And, um, yeah, it is weird and and um, I guess I just do some weird things I don't know <laughs> but when you get something out of the the ordinary like 
we're spending 70 days walking <laughs> from Wawa yeah. up to Moosonee on James Bay. Would you like to take a week and join us? And then all of a sudden you get 13 people saying, no, we want to do the whole thing. We're going to do the whole thing. And off mm-hmm. you all go. Mm-hmm. I think that people need to, and my fall trip this year that I'm doing is something out of the the, or, uh, the ordinary um, or away from the ordinary as well. <laughs> I think people have got themselves into, you know, it's not a bad thing, you know, I'm going to spend two weeks paddling in this area. Yeah. And next year I'm going to do a week in this area and I'm going to do a week in the, and they're going to the same sort of places exactly. all the time. And I really noticed over the last <clears throat> while, a few years now, I spent so much time paddling, paddling Algonquin Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Algonquin yep. Park. There's so much to see. But now that I'm doing French River, Woodland Caribou, Killarney, Tamagami, all that, there's so many different spots that you start to realize, well... I don't have enough time left in this life to do everything I want to do. You know, part of it it was, um, oh, that's going to cost me a fortune to go up to Moosonee. Well, it really didn't. When you start looking into things in Google, Google is your friend, let me tell you. When you start looking into these different locations, it's not as hard to get to or organize as you would seem to think it would no, be. No, it's just getting your brain wrapped around it to realize what the possibilities are. You know what? I, I'm I'm planning this one trip in the fall, and I'm thinking, oh no, that's that's going to just be no. But you know what? When I start now that I'm starting getting into the planning aspect of it. There's so much to see. Yep. You know, that it's turn it's it's evolving into something totally different than what I what I originally planned. Uh the the plant the trip we're doing in um June started out as a little wouldn't it be cool to Yeah. And did, now this was something that was supposed to happen just before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Right? So it'd be cool to do this. And it was like, yeah, that'd be awesome to do this. And now that the borders are open and everything, yes, boom, you can travel. We're, we're, we've got it planned out, yeah. and we're just adding little bits and pieces. We go, and it just seems to be that'd be awesome to do that. Like, mm-hmm. do you have room in your canoe? No, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> no, so, I don't. We're full up. You know, we're full up. Yeah, there's no room at this end. I'm sorry, you know, sort of thing. And that's a, that's the thing is, I think people need to start thinking about these weird trips you know get out of the well we're going here for a week or two weeks or whatever and plan something out of the ordinary mm-hmm. because you'll find you know uh, I know there's been people saying you know well, I don't really have anybody to go with to go alone so yeah go alone or go out yeah, it's, it, yeah you know, I don't know what the difference is now than when we start because I didn't know all these people. I met mm-hmm. all the people like my like I met Mikey and Marcus and and the, and Scott and you yeah. all on the internet yeah. back in the day because mm-hmm. we all into the Algonquin Park sort of thing. But if you put, I'm finding if you put weird stuff out there, oh yeah, people would be people are like hey, I'll that do sounds it. pretty I'll do that. stupid. Yeah. Count me in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was talking to Kevin Callen. He's talking about doing books, and I said, oh, a guidebook. 25 stupid things to do with your paddling friends <laughs> and his comment that would sell <laughs> yeah. so yeah uh if, if you want to write that book let me know i'm your guy <laughs> so uh that's a that's a pretty cool thing i think you should maybe look into doing that winter trip you that'd be right up your alley i think it would be and it would give increase my skill level for doing stuff like that I, I'm starting to. Uh, the kids are old enough now that I'm I want to do more interior style trips with the kids. So, uh, you know, f- fill up my toolbox a bit better of my knowledge of what to do and how to be safe in the backcountry, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it'll help me make it safer for my kids when we start over the next couple of years start doing more and more back winter backcountry trips. 
And it'd give uh, Siobhan a break from you for 70 days. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I guess that's about all I've got this week. Uh, There's a couple things we've been looking at, and uh, we'll talk about next week, I think, or the week after. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, oh man, I just can't, it's, it's, we're right there. Yeah. Paddling season. Yes. Right there. I can't wait just to, I'm I'm doing so much planning right now. It's, you ever get to the point where you're just, every moment is just planning stuff? Oh, yes. And you're just like, okay, we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll do this. The logistics. And 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 then all of a sudden you're just like, you know what? I've just got to give it a break. (laughs) That's what I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm just, because you got so many trips planning. Okay, well, this is what we're going to do on this one, and this is what we're going to do on this. This is what we're going on this one, and that's what we need to do for to get ready for that one. And oh, I got to go buy this new gear for that trip. And, yeah. Well, we got all the gear for this trip, but I got to make sure I got my permits. And, and then, you start dehydrating uh, stuff now. It's a great time to be alive, isn't it? <laughs> awesome. So it's yeah. It's I think I think this is going to be a really, really awesome year. Oh yes. You know, I, I'm not saying summer. I'm saying year. Because mm-hmm. we're talking from uh, May into. November. Yeah. Well, I got my dry suit now, so I can go twelve go. months of the year. You can go throw yourself in the lake, test it out. I'll go do that right now. <laughs> Be right back after this message. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got to give uh, Alan Drummond a quick call and see if he wants to go out this weekend or next weekend. There you go. Test and, out, uh, uh, test it out. Dry suit. I don't know if he wants to come out this way, or maybe we'll go down. I'll go out his way, or maybe we'll go downtown Toronto and mm-hmm. give it a whirl. Yeah, now it's time to do downtown Toronto because the the water traffic is uh, still very light, and so it's middle of summer when there's so much water traffic yeah. and planes taking off. It it gets a busy gets to be busy, which is why I think why Alan does so much of the night paddles is because it's the daytime is just too crazy. Yeah. Oh, the night paddles are awesome, nice and quiet. Yeah. yeah, really, really. If if you got the the proper equipment, um, and you drop Alan a message. Chance he might, yep. Depending if he, he's he gets picky, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, he doesn't want to babysit people, he yeah. wants people that are going to be out there and going to be safe and not be a liability, right? Yeah, he wants to make sure they've got the proper lights, the radios, uh, yeah. the, the the sea kayaks, the gear, everything proper for a night paddle. Mm-hmm. But when you go out with him and you're listening to what he tells you, and and he knows that 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 center island and everything like Toronto Island's off, yeah. He knows the area. He knows it really well. And then you come around that corner and you see the f- full Toronto skyline oh, all nice. lit up. Yeah. As yeah. A, you just sit. You, that's where the professional sitter guy needs to be. <laughs> just sit yes. there for all hours just <laughs> watching yeah. the Toronto skyline from from uh, the, the the Toronto Islands. Yeah. Just find a spot, sit there, and just watch it. Just sit. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All righty. Um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week, then. Yes. If you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and listen to all our episodes there. You can either download them or stream them. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.